Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. I'm James Evan Pilato from MediaMonarchy.com. We are flipping the paradigm. We've got that story plus 9-11 trials. But first, U.S. unleashes military to fight fake news and disinformation. Fake news and social media posts. This coming from Yahoo News. Such a threat to U.S. security that the highly offensive Defense Department launching a project to repel large-scale automated disinformation attacks. DARPA, that's right, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, wants custom software that can unearth fakes hidden among more than 500,000 stories, photos, clips, and audio clips. If successful, the system, after four years of trials, may expand to detect malicious intent and prevent viral fake news from polarizing society. A decade ago, today's state-of-the-art would have registered as sci-fi. That's how fast the improvements have come, said Andrew Grotto at the Center for International Security at Stanford University, a.k.a. the CIA technocrats. There's no reason to think the pace of innovation will slow anytime soon. U.S. officials have been working on plans to prevent outside hackers from flooding social media channels with false information ahead of the 2020 election. And that's James not even counting all the liars and disinfo artists actually running for office in that 2020 selection. So, James, are, are we dumb enough to believe that they don't already have all this stuff and haven't already been doing all these things for the last 20 years? Yeah, no. Uh, I think you're right to, <laughs> to call this article out on that aspect of it. It's not the technical capability that this is really about. I think what this story is really about is about announcing this idea to the public because, of course, they need front cover for the coming info operations that will be taking place around, I'm sure, that 2020 selection cycle where we'll see a lot of this rolled out. Um, it will be the excuse that they will need and they will already have it implanted in the public consciousness. Yes, we're going to be fighting the net as if it were an enemy weapon system. Where have we heard that before? Uh, and we're going to be fighting disinformation. And that's why we had to delete your Facebook account. We had to delete your Twitter account. We had to delete whatever, because we've just discovered and determined that you are a Russian bot. You are a fake Russian bot, disinfo troll, or whatever meme they roll out in time for that 2020 selection circus. So that's what this is about. Of course, it's not about the technical capability, which, as you say, has been around for a long time. They're just announcing it to the public and preconditioning us so that we'll be ready for it, which is about reason number 7,856 on the list of reasons why we should not be relying on the controlled media outlets, the social media outlets that we're given down here at the bottom rung of the info ladder to, uh, to or relying on those as, as means for getting information out. Use them while you can, sure. Blast out information to the extent that you can to people who are following you, etc. But do not take it for granted. And in the meantime, start building up alternatives. That is the real solution. Now, you, you remind me of something, James, I talked about on my morning show this week about sort of deleting pieces of the web. There's a story essentially about a, 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 por a, a porn company that bought a website that was essentially doxing adult performers. And what this company did when they bought the other company was completely destroy it and ghost it, burnt and crushed all the hard drives, posting videos and things of them showing them destroying all this information. Yay, that's a good thing, but also a reminder of, oh, the web is essentially, as I believe the article I was covering talked about, the web is written in pencil. And the powers that be can, of course, change it and send it down the memory hole anytime they want. It's almost like there's a information war or something going on now. 
Apologies to the folks out there. We actually botched last week's attempt at a new episode. A couple of weeks before that, I'd been taken off for my birthday and for music festivals. So we kind of screwed up, which happens when you're actual independent media, for real. But, James, there was one story we had for last week that I think still fits perfectly as related on this week's show. Harpa and Fang to determine if citizens should own a gun. America's next top president is considering a proposal that would use the Fangsters at Google, Amazon, Apple to collect data on users who exhibit characteristics of mental illness that could lead to violent behavior. The proposal is part of an initiative, you know, you gotta love this, for the Health Advanced Research Projects Agency, HARPA. It would be located inside the Health and Human Services Department. They'd take after, of course, DARPA, which serves as the research arm for the Pentagon. The documents list several technologies that could be employed to help collect information, including Apple Watches, Amazon Echo, and Google Home, again, as if they aren't already using all of those devices. Of course, all the secret deals with the police and the Amazon doorbell devices. All this stuff, again, has been all going on they're just kind of slowly announcing it to you. And if that's not just some hope and change, James, or wait, wait, is that some MAGA or yeah, whatever. So our second story on this New World Next Week, episode 383, reminds us that next week we'll see the 18th anniversary of that catalyzing catastrophic event that lets the killers in charge wage endless wars of terror. 9-11 is the blank check for pretty much everything people are mad at, period. James, uh, take the chance to say 9-11 truth now and forever. So on that note, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed's trial date set for 2021. A trial date has been set for the architect of 9-11, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed KSM, as they like to call him. The alleged architect of the 9-11 attacks, Mr. Mohammed, will be tried along with four other men at a military court in Guantanamo Bay starting January 11th, 2021. The men are charged with war crimes, including terrorism and the murder of almost 3,000 people. The five men will be the first to go on trial nearly 20 years since the devastating attacks on New York, Washington, and Pennsylvania. If found guilty, the groups, of course, all face the death penalty. Mohammed captured in Pakistan in 2003, transferred to Guantanamo base in Cuba, where he was later charged. Attempts to prosecute him and the rest of the group have been mired in delays if you've watched any Neural Next Week episodes in the last uh, decade. Pentagon has previously said Mr. Muhammad admitted he was responsible from A to Z, that's the quote they love, for the 9-11 attacks. Hearings for the forthcoming trial are planned for next month. Lawyers for the group are trying to bar the use of those confessions all those defendants made to the feds in 2006. You know, those confessions made under torture, repeatedly tortured during their detention in Cuba. CIA documents, if those are even to be believed, admit that they waterboarded KSM 183 times, and I forget who, who it was that said, essentially, give me 10 minutes alone with Cheney and I'll have him admitting to things he never actually did. James? Now, you're right. I think you alluded earlier to the fact that this story has, we've covered aspects of this trial before on the New World Next Week, and it seems to me, I'm just going off the top of my head here, but it seems to me that it's always around August early September that this trial comes back in one form or another. There's some sort of new piece of news that allows it to be reported as news right around the time of the anniversary. And I don't know if anyone else has noticed this, but ever since 2001, there's always been something, some sort of Al-Qaeda-related thing or something, some terrorist incident or some trial date for KSM or whatever it is, 
right just on the eve of the anniversary so that they can all bring that story back into the news in a way that's justified because this is news now and they can rehash the old story. So this is kind of the flip side to what I was talking about on Propaganda Watch about 24 hours ago, which was uh, the WTC7 new study from University of Alaska Fairbanks that shows that the official NIST explanation, it it collapsed due to fire, is nonsense. That's not news. Don't report a peep on that. But report all about the Khalid Sheikh Mohammed trial date has been set. January 2021, folks. Get your popcorn ready 18 months in advance. I mean, it's it's nonsense the way they delineate what is news and, and reportable and not. But I think it's obviously for a particular agenda, which is to bring the official story back in front of everyone's attention right in time for the annual Uh, lip service of memorial to the victims. Yeah, we care about them so exactly as much as we can dance on their grave to uh, commit wars of aggression and crime elsewhere around the world in the name of those attacks. That's exactly what this is all about. It's the spectacle. And what do you bet? I mean, I'm just going out on a limb here, but what do you bet this January 2021 trial wraps up in, say, I don't know, August or maybe early September 2021? Wouldn't that be great for the 20th anniversary to have it all tied up in a little bow and pin the blame on, as you say, KSM, Mr. Mastermind of 9-11 from A to Z, waterboarded 183 times, all of that. Look, I have no doubt Khalid Sheikh Mohammed is not some innocent little angel that got caught up in all of this, but... I also have no doubt that the 9-11 plot goes a little bit beyond KSM's pay grade. And whose payroll was he really on, and in what way? Will that truth ever come out? Probably not in this court trial that they're talking about now, which is exactly why this is acceptable news to be reporting on the BBC and every other controlled corporate media platform. James, I think folks know I, I put a little more stock in sort of synchromistic anniversaries and dates and things, but you, you help kind of maybe make my point. Of course, they bring this up right around, you know, the anniversary time. So we were actually just talking about some of the related to KSM just a few weeks ago here on New World Next Week, accused 9-11 mastermind open to testimony against Saudi Arabia. So, you know, KSM, he, he's amenable to things. Finally, on this Neural Next Week, episode 383, and James, I mean, we'll just have to say right here as I look up at my calendar, we will hit the 18th anniversary of 9-11 before we get to talk to folks again here on Neural Next Week. So again, of course, stay vigilant as, as we typically try and do. Finally, on this episode 383, James, did you, I guess you wanted to get an early start on Halloween, I guess, and I'm completely game. A modest proposal indeed. Academia considers cannibalism. The thought leaders and philosophers of the Western world recently turned their attention to a rather radical method of reducing the carbon footprint and self-regulating the Earth's population. It's been a rocky couple of eons, but one thing we've managed to completely leave behind is the ultimate taboo, cannibalism. Academics, however, are unconstrained by nasty social constructs like morality and ethics and not eating grandma. Far away from the real world, professors steeped in postmodernism, a doctrine that reigns supreme in social science departments and rejects the notion of objective reality, have been suggesting for some time that we embrace our inner beast and break that ultimate taboo. Cannibalism occurs in every class of vertebrates, wrote American Museum of Natural History researcher Bill Shutt in his 2017 piece, Cannibalism, A Perfectly Natural History. After discussing which wine pairs best with human placenta, Shutt mused whether one day food shortages and overcrowding might lead us to eat our own. The New York Times unironically called the book refreshing. 
Additionally, researchers at UC San Diego declared in 2017 that as cannibalism helps limit the spread of disease in some species, it could benefit us too. Researchers said with an accompanying press release from the university declaring, quote, we are flipping the paradigm with regards to cannibalism. For some populations, cannibalism may be just what the doctor ordered. Now, the title of this piece, A Modest Proposal Indeed, originally from RT. And again, everything we say and play will always be included in the show notes, so you can continue the research for yourself, is a play on Jonathan Swift's satirical piece about the Irish selling their kids for the rich to eat them so they won't be a burden on their parents anymore in his modest proposal. And you can read that original satirical piece thanks to Gutenberg.org. But James, this this did all really seem to pop back up in early 2017, and I'll link up my my whole news archive for people to go through on hashtag normalizing cannibalism. Highlights include National Geographic says cannibalism is surprisingly common. Netflix's ads for Santa Clarita diet are good, gross fun, but one went too far. Even our friends at Truthstream Media made a video about it. The system is normalizing cannibalism, and James, what do you know? We were actually ahead of the curve back in 2013 with the film Literature and New World Order episode on Soylent Green. I think in that film Literature and New World Order episode, we were able to point out, I think, some of the trails that lead to the eugenics-obsessed techno-rats like Paul Ehrlich, who actually wrote the new preface to later pressings of that original Soylent Green book, Make Room, Make Room. So, James, is this latest 2017 to the present day push coming from essentially the same crew? It seems that way, doesn't it? And even if it's not the uh, the same crew, it's the same agenda, isn't it? And uh, I don't really have much to add to what you've uh, put there on the table. I just hope people will go to the show notes and look through some of those resources that uh, that we've got down in there. I just brought it up because I know you've been covering this meme for the last few years over at Media Monarchy, and I've certainly noticed it myself. And I'm not sure... I mean, it is literal to some extent. It's also obviously symbolic and figurative to some extent. There's some some playing with the uh, the psyche and and the general public consciousness with this idea of eating itself. I think it's reflective of an end of end of a cycle, end of a uh, end of fall of an empire kind of uh, rhetoric. So I think it's interesting to to note from a number of different perspectives. Anyway, as I say, I hope people go through the show notes and look at some of these resources because, as I say, you've been covering this for years now. So this okay. So you just say it's part of the sort of fin de cycle, the sort of end of a end of an error, error. The the article James NRT, if you if you noted as well, it goes into one of the more kind of seemingly benign kind of strains of this, and this is hey everybody, you can eat bugs, and the idea that we you know we're all going to eat bugs and everything's going to be great from there. Or of course, don't forget the soylent you know meal replacements or the fake meat. Which is all really, again, interesting stuff that I'm glad we're able to go in and on this each and every week, James. So as I like to always wrap up these episodes and remind folks, I actually stream audio, news, music, memes, and more Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 Mountain Time at my own website, MediaMonarchy.com. There's a link. It'll open up your player. I like to think of it as the best damn radio station you never heard. So James, I hope folks will come check that out. All right. We'll leave it there. I'm looking forward to uh, next week. Talk to you then. Thanks, buddy. Take care.